Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 42 of the unofficial, official, unofficial Rogue Company podcast broadcast. I'm here with Co Reed. I'm here with Dirt Lord. I'm here with Garbo. I'm muted. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, I thought I was muted. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we oh promise he's God. here. <laughs> and I'm here with Garbo. Must be doing something. <laughs> Might as well just leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> I was here with Garbo just a minute ago, but I'm here with Griffin. <laughs> it's like, what could he be doing right now? Make me some cereal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> I can't praise you. I'm official. I'm sweating, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, rolling so tears. Oh my god! Come on, Garbo. <laughs> I'm here, with Garbo. Oh, I'm here with Griffin. I'm eating my cereal, dude. <laughs> like I said, dude, it's nine forty. It's not it's breakfast time. I don't want to I'm sorry. I'm eating cereal for dinner. Oh, God. <laughs> and this is wow. the Rogue Company podcast bringing you all the news that you need to know about Rogue Company. And we're going to start off first here real quick with the Smite World Championship schedule. Now, historically, I'd say the past three, four, maybe five years, every time they do the Smite World Championship, they always do this thing called the High Res Showcase, something that we've talked about on the broadcast before. And normally, this is kind of a celebration of what High Res is all about, normally. Uh, of course, it's the Smite World Championship because it's the biggest game that they currently have, but they would also have other things that would line up in the schedule where it would be uh, Paladins focused or Rogue Company or Realm Royale when that was a thing or whatever. But it seems this year they decided to take the easy way out and decided to just focus specifically on the Smite World Championship and also the DKO Creator Club. Oh, yeah. Right. So and in the past, they've always done things like, um, you know, character creation. 
whether it be for Rogue Company, Paladin, Smite, whatever, they would get some of the developers together and do like a panel where people would ask them questions on, you know, how they uh, how they come up with their ideas, you know, what the development process is like for creating these new characters or maps, etc., bringing them into the game. And then most importantly, they always have some type of a, whether it be a video or it be like a panel or something like that, they would show like some teasers and some information for the community of each individual game to be excited about for the upcoming year. Cause it's always in January. So this is kind of like a loose roadmap where there would be no delivery dates or anything like that specifically assigned to them. It would just be like, Hey, this is kind of what we're working on for, you know, the 2023 year of rogue company. And this is what we're looking at for the 2023 year of paladins, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have that this year. All we have, like I said, was the Smite World Championship and then the DKO Creator Cup. And they have a couple, like, they have an official tailgate stream from 8 a.m. until, like, 10.45, 11 a.m. So, like, there's definitely ways that they could have slot some of this stuff in, especially with it ending at 7.30. I think, historically, this would go until, like, 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock at night every single day that the events would be going on that way they could squeeze more into it. Now I understand you're, you're in a, you know, you're in a space, right? You're, you're, you're in a building, you're paying, you know, for being occupying this building, all this kind of stuff. Um, but like, there's nothing that can happen there. Like between the hours of 8 PM and 8 AM that, that can kind of supplement that money. So, what are you gaining? What are you losing by not doing this? I think it's very interesting and almost caution, you know, cautionary way of approaching the new year. Because, like I said, we've got this every single year for as long as I've been playing high res games. There's always been a high res showcase. There's always been information released to the community about what to look forward to. I mean, I'm pretty sure Rogue Company was announced. And alpha during one of these high res showcases. So it's very it's very interesting to say the least that they decided to not do anything whatsoever. And from what I understand, the DKO Creator Cup is a charity tournament. So they got like the biggest content creators for DKO to come out and play a tournament for charity. Which is cool. Like, you know, that, that's cool that they're doing it for charity and everything. But I don't know how many people are actually tuning into this. And if the Steam charts is any reflection of it, it's probably not a lot of people. You know, that's uh, something that's also something that's very concerning that we'll get into here in just a second. But but yeah, guys, no high risk showcase, no uh, leaks, no um Nothing to look like realistically look forward to as far as like communication with the community, anything like that. So I don't know, man. Maybe they decided because last year or year before last, it might have been last year as well. They just released a video. It was like a 20 minute video showing, you know, because they didn't want to get everybody together. They did the Smart World Championship stuff online, all that kind of stuff. Um, but no video, no nothing, no 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 news, no tweets, nothing. Like it's been radio silence since the Mad Mercenaries update for Rogue Company came out. Well, who's the trader? 
Yeah, right. And allegedly, like, the traitor is the new rogue that they're going to be announcing or something like that. I don't know. who At this point, who really knows, you know? But yeah, I think it's very concerning. Like, and it's not one of the, like, the high-res showcase has always been that thing where it's like, this is going to happen. Like, we haven't gotten news for this long. There's going to be something at the high-res showcase. Smite World Championship, high-res showcase. They're going to do all this stuff. And, like, people were asking me, like, in streams and on videos, things like that, that's like, you know, when are we going to get some information from the devs? And I'm like, be on the lookout for the high-res showcase. They always do something there. They always announce something. They talk about what to look forward to or what's been going on in the background since the last updates come out. Nothing. And I think that a lot of people are kind of like, there, there's no information being released. And this is the one source of information that they could possibly get. So now everybody feels like they're left, you know, they're hung out to dry in a way. And I get it, right? If I'm playing a game and there's no news, no nothing, and there's obvious issues with it, like balance of bugs, things like that, and nobody releases anything, no communication whatsoever, then what am I to expect? You know? That they given up. I mean, and that feels like it's very much the uh, through line to this, right? Yeah, it's like they're at their finish line, but they're out of gas in the community as well. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, the community's fed up at this. Yeah, everything that's been going on with the game, like the only people that are staying there are people that are like cheeky players or people that are absolutely in love with the game, regardless of what's happening the game even those runs like shit they're getting shot around walls they're facing ghost snipers either way those are there's not like many they're actually just enjoying the games i mean 6v6 is absurd right now yeah i agree and and this is one thing that i am gonna say so just because nothing has been officially announced by anybody doesn't mean that people aren't paying attention and taking feedback and things into consideration. So take that for what you will, but just know that you're that people that are on Reddit, that are on social media, that are saying things about Rogue Company, Rogue Company, whether it be positive or negative, you know, whether it be constructive criticism or if it's just complete, just dog in the game, it's being seen, it's being heard. I assure you that. Um, and where, you know, where this, this bus decides to go and where the next stop that this bus makes is going to be, I have no idea, but it's being, it's being conveyed. The, the, the board and also the creators are conveying a lot of the information to the developers, and uh, hopefully they're taking all this information in and they are going to put together something that will help benefit the community in the long run. I mean, they need to come out, and and I don't want to make this sound too aggressive, but they kind of need to explain themselves a little bit, right? A little bit. I, mean, <laughs> I would like an explanation. I mean, it wouldn't hurt anything for somebody to come out and say, hey, this is what's been going on. This is where we're at. This is where we want to get to. And this is kind of what we have in store for 2023 if we're able to bang everything out. And I know that a lot of people were pulled, you know, from various high-res games to work on the launch of DKO. And, you know, to the very, very small amount of success that that game has has had, it feels like that it was all for naught at this point, right? I mean, when your average concurrent players on Steam is 600, 
that's not a good look. That's not a good sign for the longevity of a brand new. I mean, we can still consider DKO a brand new game. It's been out for it like a month. It smells like Tim the Tap Man, you know? Exactly, <laughs> right? Exactly. So that's not good. And they gave it away on Steam to whoever wanted it. They gave it away on PlayStation Plus to whoever wanted it. And now they're giving it away on Epic to whoever wanted it. So, and I feel like them giving it away on Epic as the last stop is like, we really need people to play this game. And I, you do. Yeah. And I have a feeling that if the player, if the player count doesn't rise, uh, somewhat, then it's probably going to be, um, be defunded at some point, you know, because the studio that's behind this game, I think it's Redbeard. Redbeard yeah. Productions or Redbeard Industries or whatever it is, they're based out of France. Like they're not even in the states, and they worked on this game. And I can only imagine how much it costs to to keep your labor in France. You know what I mean? So, and they kind of, you know, I understand it's a smart spinoff and all that stuff, but like they kind of shot themselves in the foot with that because. It's like they're trying to build off of the popularity of Smite. Smite's already kind of its niche thing with it being a MOBA. And then they're like, well, we can build off of it by using the gods from Smite to be like a 3D Smash clone. If they would have just developed a whole new property around that same premise, it might have got legs a little bit quicker. Because like, even though Smite is successful now... It wasn't always super successful. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's a lot of work that's gone into making the game successful. Uh, so some people still have a bad taste in their mouth about when Smite wasn't that great. And then you're also on top of that going to appeal to an even more niche market um, with an even smaller player base that has options that are limited. I will say that, but it is what it is at the end of the day. All right, so next up here, this is something that I wanted to bring up before we got into the community section, but Rogue Battles. So Rogue Battles is weekly and monthly tournaments and seasonal invitationals for Rogue Company. And this has kind of um, filled the void that the RCCS left whenever that was dissolved. And it took a little bit of time for Rogue Battles to kind of like become like a thing of course because you know you have to have the people behind it you have to have the money behind it you have to have organization you have to have a systems put in place for everything it did take a little bit of time but what i understand they are currently running several tournaments and if we look at this they have bi-weekly tournaments that start weeknights at 6 p.m pacific time so on mondays they do a 4v4 pro mod tournament on tuesdays they do trio strikeout on wednesdays they do 2v2 pistols thursdays they do 4v4 variant and on fridays they do 1v1 snipers then if we come over here and look at the community update that they released on january the 8th they uh explain that they're working on Early stages of phase one with more updates as they make progress. So currently what they're working on a rogue battle ELO's website, which will have stat trackers, matches, prize winnings, etc. on there. And also the rogue battles masters event that will be in Las Vegas for the spring slash summer uh, LAN event. 
So I think that that's very interesting that they are getting their resources together in order to release um, or in order to put a land together, a in-person land event where that's going to be taking place in, it looks like Las Vegas. Because if we look at this tweet here, it says there are many asking about the six team land we're working on. Some excited, some who doubt. This is very real and initial talks have already started. We sit at the table with the HyperX Arena team and staff next week. A lot of time, preparation, and funding goes into making one land happen this year. When the time comes, an official announcement will come from us in HyperX Arena Las Vegas. You'll be able to see the event on their website, too. We'll continue to update you as we make progress on making this one land happen this year. Also, before anyone asks, again, no, we're not RCCS. We're here in Rogue Company, and we're working passionately. Vision, focus, actions. So, I mean, it didn't take as long as I thought it would for someone to start like organizing and creating more tournaments for Rogue Company. I thought that there would be a lull and we probably wouldn't start getting this stuff until uh, after the beginning of the year. And if we go back to go back a little bit of ways on how long they've been doing it, they've been doing tournaments uh, and they did a winter series, I believe, if I remember correctly, that was 4v4 demo or 4v4 pro mod. Like there's different rule sets for different different tournaments that they have, whatever it is. Um, but they've been doing this for quite a while. And they also have people that they have hired to work on creating and developing a website where not everything has to be tracked through Discord. Not everything has to be like a bot associated with it. Um, that way things can be like updated and integrated into this website so that you can access it, you know, anywhere. And of course you can access it anywhere if it's on Discord as well, but it's a little bit more professional looking and it's a little bit more, it's taken a little bit more seriously when you actually have a website that's dedicated to something like this. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I've watched some of these and um, I mean, it's, it's rogue company competitive, right? At the end of the day. And I enjoy watching Rogue Company competitive. I think that, you know, to me, and maybe I'm biased because I'm more heavily invested in Rogue Company than anything else, I would say currently, uh, as far as video games are concerned, but like, I enjoy watching it. There are some things that need to be done on the Rogue Battle side to get everything together to make it, give it that pristine polish that they need. But as far as the, you know, the rule sets and the way that the tournaments play out, the brackets and everything like that, I'm not mad at it. I enjoy watching it, whether it be the 4v4 demo, trio strikeouts, the snipers, pistols only, whatever it is. It's it's fun to just tune in and to see a lot of the people that were part of the RCCS are playing. You've got uh, Delana, Gronky, uh, Ink, Who's Dat, Rugi. Like uh, Nash, I think, is coming back and starting to play some of them. Candy's playing some of them. So you have a pretty good uh, a pretty good amount of the actual RCCS competitors that are coming in. And then you also have other people that are starting to work into it a little bit more. And with them doing multiple tournaments a week and, and opening it up for more, it's more like a grassroots community kind of feel than people I don't think are as intimidated about trying to get involved in something like this as they were with the RCCS because 
I mean, A, you had to deal with the personality that came with the RCCS, and a lot of people didn't want to deal with that personality. And B, it felt like a an exclusive club that only a certain set of people were invited to or could you know participate in or anything like that. Even though when they would do the live uh, qualifying events, you know you would hear the caster say constantly, "Hey, if you want to participate, join the Discord," you know, and all this kind of stuff. But like, it still <clears throat> had that air of like exclusivity surrounding it, and I think that that turned a lot of people off. You know, and like. Who wants to deal with that personality from the RCCS? Especially like once all the drama started and just didn't seem to stop whatsoever about, you know, about one individual versus like pretty much everybody. It felt like at a specific point, who wants to go into a competitive environment and deal with that? It's already stressful enough, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, there are some things that Rogue Battles needs to do to kind of get things up to snuff. It looks like that they have the people in place to develop the website, to get the LAN event going, that they have a good mind behind the rule sets, things like that. And I remember tuning into uh, the Rogue Battles or someone's stream where the guy that's behind Rogue Battles was actually talking, and this dude was involved in the... Uh, Call of Duty competitive scene, the Gears of War competitive scene. He's coming from a place that has dealt with a lot of competitive scenes from various different uh, shooters. So bringing all of that knowledge and information and kind of developing own rule set, own way of handling everything uh, based off of like history and also trying new things, especially with a with a game like this. I think that that uh, opens up a lot of doors and a lot allows a lot of freedom for him him and his team to make something very interesting and very fun to watch. But whenever you pull up the events that are actually happening, it's normally like one person that is commentating on the match for 50% of the time and then reading chat the other 50% of the time. But to be taken seriously, regardless of like how much funding, how much backing you have and how big your scene is, there's a certain level of professionalism that goes into that. And that professionalism is translated into presentation, right? So I feel like if there was a, a more cleaner, more defined presentation for the events that are happening, and maybe not every event, maybe not every event needs casters and needs this whole production and everything, but the major events, the high dollar events, and you can discuss whatever the high dollar events you want, whether it be $100, $500 minimum, whatever it is, there needs to be some sense of professionalism and presentation that comes along with that to be taken seriously. Especially if you want sponsors. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I feel like that maybe they have a hard time, because I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes or anything like that. I'm not sure if they're having a hard time trying to find talent to come in to be casters for it, to be commentators for it, or if it's a simple... Um, they're not ready to make that leap. Maybe they're not sure how to take that leap. I, I'm not sure like kind of where they stand with everything at right now, because I haven't spoken to them personally about this kind of stuff. But if it's a payment issue, for example, because we know yeah. from the RCCS that all the casters, commentators, hosts, and everybody was paid and flew to Atlanta to do that and paid for all of the online qualifying matches and everything. 
But this is a perfect opportunity for people that have never been a commentator or that are trying to get their feet wet. I mean, it's going to give you experience to do it, and it's also going to give you something to put on a resume if you're trying to get into other esports outlets, right? So I don't think that that I don't think it would be as much of a problem to try to find people to do it as it would be to get everything set up on the production side of it. You're going to have to have either one person dedicated to the production side of it, or you're going to have to have one of the casters be involved in the production side of it that is switching scenes, doing commentary, you know, the whole nine yards, doing all the production and the commentary, which can be done. Like with technology now, it absolutely can be done if you find the right person uh, that's dedicated to do something like that. And who knows? I mean, if this is going to continue this way, and I saw somewhere that like the LAN event was going to be like a $10,000 or $12,000 LAN event, maybe even more than that. Uh, that's a pretty good chunk of change. I mean, that's right there with what a lot of the RCCS and also the CMG tournaments for Rogue Company were. So I think that if they polish everything off the way that it needs to be polished, that Rogue Battles can be taken seriously as like the Rogue Company um you know esports the rogue company tournament you know place to go for tournaments and things like that they could do some good things right yeah hope so it's amazing that there's no drama i know right exactly no issues yeah people playing games having a good time yeah well i mean to look at it like this there's a difference between being the uh the person that's like behind the scenes running the show that's setting the standard for everybody uh, that's being professional, that's maintaining a good separation between the players and also, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. Once that, that wall is broken down to where you have competitors that are talking, you know, behind the scenes to the person that's putting the show on about, well, I don't want to play with this person. Can we, can we stir some shit up over here so that I don't have to play with this person anymore and you get me a new person to play with? Like, that's not the responsibility of the person that's putting everything together and putting everything on. Like, that's your shit. You figure it out. If y'all have a problem, then y'all deal with it like adults. We're not children here, right? Well, I mean, some of us are. Some people involved in the competitive scene are children for sure. You know, like... Under 18, but yeah, it's amazing what that separation, that wall can do for you. But I was just wanting to bring that up to bring awareness to it because I think they're doing good stuff over there. I think that if uh, if people can get behind it, can support it and, and turn up and turn out, I think that um, I think some good things can come. And like, like I said, it's very refreshing and very, very nice to watch some rogue company competitive stuff without a lot of like over the top drama stuff happening at the same time, you know? All right, guys, this is the community section of the unofficial, official, unofficial rogue company podcast. If you want to contribute in any way, you can hit us up on Twitter at broadcast. You can shoot us an email broadcast at gmail.com, or you can join the discord. The link will be in the description down below. And there is a place in the Discord for Broguecast contributions. But up first here, we have 3Jad21. We have a couple of submissions from him. And there's going to be more. It's going to be more heavily a community section. Because first of all, we didn't have one last week or the last episode. And then also, there hasn't been anything released from the developers. So there's not really much to talk about. But this is what 3Jad had to say. Or EJad, 3Jad, I don't know. 
Suggestion for better game mode UI and matchmaking consistencies. Myself and my friends were talking about how much better the game would be in terms of matchmaking slash game mode UI if the separate options of strikeout demolition, ranked demolition, etc. were ditched and the only two modes to pick from were quick play and ranked. You could then streamline the game mode selection through quick play and ranked by allowing people to select which game modes they want to play to queue for. Where in quick play, it would be strikeout, demolition, extraction, TDM, king of the hill, etc. And in ranked, it's between strikeout and demolition. By doing this, people would be going to the same options to pick game mode to pick the game modes they want to play, and in the case of casual play, people will both know exactly what game modes are available to play and will draw people's attention to the other game modes, convincing more people to try those uh, to try those other modes. This would help boost matchmaking consistencies in certain modes as well as boost overall matchmaking in servers with smaller populations like Oceana and Asia. It also allows people to control which game modes they want to play. And quick play right now, everyone is forced to play a random game mode out of a list that is no longer able to be seen. The game would only benefit from the change from a change like this. So I really hope someone on the dev team or the board sees this and proposes it to the devs. So I'm not part of the board or the development team, but I can comment on this as well as everybody else. Um, first of all, having a way to go in there and select what game modes that you want to play, uh, as far as quick play is concerned, I absolutely agree with that. You also need to have, in my opinion, you need to have queuable versions of the ranked modes that are non-ranked for people that are newer to the game to experience those game modes and how they're played, what the objectives are, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you go into like a quick play, even if you untick everything for uh, quick play, except for demolition, for example, then how many people do you think that once this feature is announced, it's going to go in there and they're going to untick demolition and any single life game modes because they don't enjoy playing those and then forget about it altogether. You know, whenever you go to the game mode selection screen, you are reminded that quick play exists, 6v6 exists, demolition queue, strikeout queue, and then the two ranked queues. If you hide this behind another screen that you have to go into to access to select what modes that you want, how quickly do you think people will forget that there's other game modes in the game? Because when I played Call of Duty, like one of the one of the last Call of Duty games that I played that had this same feature in it, I would just after a certain point, I would just load into the game and just press Q and not even think about what game modes I have selected and what it's going to throw us into, anything like that, until I'm like, why am I only seeing the same game mode? Oh, the last time I played, I only wanted to play this specific game mode, and I forgot to go back and retick everything. You know, that's just kind of where I stand with it. What do you guys think? Well, we had talked about that, you know, <clears throat> having a way to pick what mode you want to play, but I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, I don't know if it would help. Or change anything. Yeah, with the matchmaking, because then no, I, demolition would just be empty. Exactly. And, and I think that 
like for quick play, I absolutely think that this is something that should exist. I think quick play should be the way that you go in there and you're like, hey, these are the game modes that I like to play. Even if you wanted to include strikeout and demolition in that pool of, of game modes to play, then I'm fine with that. But we still need an individual non-ranked version of the two ranked versions of the of, of the game uh, or of the game modes so that people can experience those because like if that oh, yeah I don't want to have to play rank to play demolition. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-uh. Exactly. I mean, people should be able to go to demolition to practice for rank and for just people to yeah like you said just to get a taste of it. Like people shouldn't have to go to like a training room or play quick play and hope they get demolition. Right. And maybe here's <laughs> maybe here's a better idea. Maybe put strikeout and demolition in quick play. Leave the non-ranked version of demolition and strikeout as queuable modes, but make those modes mirror exactly what ranked is, minus the ranked points that you get. Yeah, the actual official points. So like have the whole band system and the pistol round. Yeah, yeah. Which means they would have to extend the rounds of demolition. Yeah. So if they took the current version of demo where you have to get six, you know, the first to six wins and put that in the quick play queue and then just redo the non-ranked version of it where it has picks and bands and the pistol round and all that kind of stuff, I would be absolutely okay with that. You know, I missed the pistol round. That was kind of like, you know, that was actually get your, your aim really going. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Because, yeah, if you missed your pistol shots, dude, you were going to have a tough... You're like, oh, I'm going to have a tough game right here. Yeah. <laughs> but I understand where where this dude's coming from. Um, and I do think that Quick Play should be opened up a little bit to include more maps, more game modes. And also, like, it feels like Quick Play currently runs, like, you're going to get Icarus. And Icarus for this entire week is just going to be King of the Hill. And every time you see Icarus pop up in Quick Play... It's only going to be King of the Hill. Why? Like it's like they have certain modes associated with certain maps in the Quick Play queue, and that kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they do. Very unfortunate. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like that at all. I want to play King of the Hill on whatever map comes up at that specific moment. You know, I don't want to just play it on the same map for an entire week straight, everything. over and over and over yeah. again. Yeah, just exactly. Randomize all of it. Don't have, yeah, they shouldn't have it all. Well, this level's this level. And mm-hmm. like you do this level, you get this game mode. You go to this level, you only get this game mode. Yeah, it should just completely, if you're going to quick play, it should completely randomize. Yes, I agree. And if they like locked it to certain maps for like to make it run better, it didn't work. Yeah, right. Exactly. It did not work. Yeah. So next up here, we have a post by Fresh Zeman. Opinion on player kick option versus surrender button. Whoever presses the surrender button is putting themselves up for being kicked. Obviously, kicking a player should have over 50% of votes. uh, When in a 2v4, it just kicks yourself out. This option should also punish you if if used too often, like the good old days, but maybe just an hour max. This should weed out the losers. I don't know if they mean the losers or the leavers. I have no problem playing a 1v4, but please do not do not drag me down and force me out of a game by forfeiting the match because of my teammates' incompetence. So, I personally feel like 
until there is some type of a uh, AFK or lever penalty brought back into the game that we should have the option to kick someone. I mean, it's yeah. in other games. Yeah. Especially if they're throwing. <clears throat> or like, being toxic. I mean. Yeah. Just being completely straight up, you know, yeah, talk, yeah, just rude, <clears throat> forcing, you know, killing themselves, you know, or staying back and then acting like it's not their fault. I mean, many reasons. We can go on with it. Yeah. And and you really see this uh, rear its ugly head whenever you're playing Demolition, because how many times have there been three of us that are queuing Demolition and we're like, well, at least this fucking dipshit that's on our team doesn't have the bomb, and then they give him the bomb the next three times that we're trying to play it. And they're running up the middle of the map every single time, get sniped in the so same the exact... Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, just in the opposite direction, exactly where you pick, like wherever we plant. Oh, we're going over here. Oh, well, I'm going to go over here. Why? Yeah. Like, that's the opposite of what the whole team is doing. It exactly. shouldn't give you the bomb, like, until you reach a certain level in the game. Yeah, right. Like, you play enough that it's like, oh, you can probably plant the bomb now, right? Yeah. Or just have the bomb laying in the plane and whoever runs up and grabs that it first, help. you know, like, that would be fantastic. Uh, I think that having a kick function and also a way it were at the end of the game, whenever you, if you do kick someone from the match, then it pulls up a screen kind of like the report player screen where it's like, why did you kick this person? Was it AFK? Was it toxicity? And then that would be another way to track people and reports against certain people that are uh, getting away with murder in the game. No pun intended, where it's like, you know, if you play with one person and they're throwing the whole time or being toxic and you kick them and that continues to happen over and over again, then maybe their account needs to be reviewed and maybe something needs to be done about it. I mean, especially if multiple people are getting reported, like imagine if we weren't stacking and everybody on that team reports that one player, Like it would not look good on that one player. It's exactly. different if it's like all three of us that are stacking, but like if it's individual players, all randos. Yeah. And it's you being toxic. I mean, yeah. Eventually the evidence add up. Yeah. And, and it would be nice to do that as well for people on your team that are suspiciously good at the game. If you can recognize by watching someone when, you know, in like demolition, for example, if you're dead and you're watching someone and you're like, there's no way that this guy's hitting these shots that he's hitting, what is going on? You should absolutely be able to kick that person for cheating. Like, I would rather be a man down in that situation than to play and get a cheap victory with someone on your team cheating. Absolutely. And here's something, too, that I'm going to piggyback off of. Why is there not an option to, A, spectate your friend's matches that are going on, and then, B, if someone leaves or gets kicked, and I know that this could be abused with a kick feature, but if someone leaves or gets kicked, you can just slot yourself right in. You've already loaded into the game. You've already been watching the game play out. You already know how the teams, you know, the enemy teams playing based off of your spectating. And you can just slot yourself right into that open position right then and there. So I agree. I think that would be a real. But have you seen how it acts when it actually backfills? And I know you have. So yeah, I know. <laughs> so Gross. yeah. That's probably the reason is because like their servers can't handle it. Like they can't handle like somebody spectating in the background, which you would think it would be. Yeah. 
either like they already do that when they backfill somebody instead of somebody that's intentionally trying to backfill, you know, in a way. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Again, servers act crazy already with just randos backfilling. So next up, we have a post here by Ghost of Slicksville or Slickville suggestion, customizable scoreboards per player. So the idea is you can change what is shown on your scoreboard. You'd still be locked to the default number of six stats per scoreboard. The current defaults will still be available, but add the options to change them for the following and order them as you wish. Damage received, deaths, downs with ability, downs with or damage with ability, downs with gadget, damage over time, etc. I don't think this would be hard to implement as these must be tracked in the game already so that they can add or contribute to your dailies. This is just a few ideas with the opportunity to add more. It would also help track challenges easier as you can differentiate your down slash damage for each weapon slash damage source. Also, you'd be able to change these out in the pause menu during a match to make them quickly accessible. I mean, I'm not mad at it. I mean, it'd be cool, but. Yeah, I mean. They ain't going to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean. It, it's remember, just, we were like, we, can we get our fucking KD? And they're like, yeah, we're going to put it in there. And it's dude, like, what's this bullshit? It doesn't yeah. even make sense because like, yeah. when you look at your KD, like most of my characters are like two. They're all two and above. But my KD is actually lower than that. And it's, it's like, no, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like what's yeah. happening. Yeah. I th and I think that what they're doing is I think that they've got their uh, algorithm or something messed up in there because what it looks like that they tried to do was put your average in there and it's not because I've got, yeah, because I've got all of my rogues like either all over three or all over four. I can't remember which one it is except for two or three of them. And my KDA is like 2.2. It does not make sense. Yeah. Like how is it half of what my KD with each rogue is? And then some of them that I don't play as much like Juke and Cannon and a couple of the other ones, it's like 16, high. yeah, 16, 28, yeah. whatever it is, you know? Yeah, it's absurd. I can't remember what mine for Jukes is, but it's insane. Like, my yeah. fixer is like 29. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just insane. Absurd. Like, and then, like, again, back to, it just doesn't average out. You're like, what? Why is it like 1.7 when all my stuff is 2.5 and above? Like, what? Yeah. Why is that not? What happened here? Out? Yeah, yeah, what happened? Please explain. Explain. Yeah, and I don't understand why they don't have deaths. Wait, I know why they don't have deaths on the scoreboard. I 1,000% know for a fact why they don't have deaths on the scoreboard. But why don't you have my individual death count somewhere else other than on the scoreboard? If I'm playing TDM and I press the menu, you know, the scoreboard menu to pop up, yeah. it should show somewhere on that screen of useless information that pops up how many deaths that I that I alone have in that match. Yeah. I know it's the only that, time you get to see it's after the game. Yeah, exactly. On that right. card it'll show it there, but yeah. you can't see cuz yeah. it doesn't look good next to 40 downs. Yeah. 
Exactly. You know what I mean? That's why. <laughs> yeah. If it's forty, if it's forty over forty. Oh, you, you dropped yeah. a sixty bomb. How many times did you die? Seventy. Yeah. Damn, I would have that many too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then it also encourages toxicity, right? So if you're playing like strikeout or something like that, where deaths matter, then oh, you're yeah. absolutely breeding an environment where people could be like, "We're losing because of this fucking." Even though this yeah, person take a vote, kick him out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. But yeah, it would be cool if they added a couple of things on there. I know that they went back and revamped it to where like, you know, time on points on there for like King of the Hill, mm-hmm. revives are on there, things like that. So it is nice to have those additional stats on there. Um but I mean, at the end of the day, like why do I need like me as a player? Why do I need to see what everybody's stats are? Like, I mean, if you're trying to just completely negate as much toxicity as humanly possible, why was it that earlier when I looked at the scoreboard, I saw that the glitch on our team only had 58 damage and we were over 60% of the way through the entire match? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I wanted to get on there and yell at him, I feel like I would be yeah. very justifiable in that yelling. You know what I mean? Like, so, <laughs> yeah, it's. I think that they should just do away with the scoreboard as scoreboard as it is. And whenever you press the scoreboard uh, button or menu, then it should have your personal stats on there. And maybe here's an idea. And I know that Exiled contributed this to the broadcast while back. And this is something that escaped my mind. Why isn't there a damage counter on there for, for your post-death damage? So this is something like Paladins has it, Apex has it where I should be able to pull up the scoreboard now and to see what I was damaged from and how much damage did, how much damage it did to my character. That way I can see exactly like, oh, I got hit with a grenade. The comparison. Yeah. Instead yeah. of being yes. like, how? Yeah. What? What that- happened? Yeah. Like, oh, grenade. Yeah. Didn't hear it, didn't see it. Yeah. And they could totally revamp that that scoreboard menu to have your downs that you have, the damage you have, you know, how many bomb plants, revives, all that information right there on one side. And the other side should be, okay, the last person that you attacked was, you know, Umbra, and the username was, you know, call me daddy69, and you did 120 damage to call me daddy69 with the HRM. And then you took 40 damage from, you know, call me daddy69 whenever they were using the Riptide. You know, and it should have that breakdown there. That would be very useful information to have. So I could be like, oh, I got hit by something that I wasn't expecting. Like I got shot from behind and I didn't get a hit marker from behind, but I got hit so quickly and the servers are all out of whack where I just went down instantly. It didn't make sense, but this makes more sense. I got flanked, you know? Mm -hmm. So that would be a nice quality of life thing to have. Yes. So next up, we have a post here by Tenebrae, Tenebrae42. Would it be too much if Sigrid could use any pistol with her shield? Currently, when you use Sigrid's ability and pull out her shield, she will pull out the warrant, even if you have a different pistol equipped, either from mastery or just snagging it off of the ground. Would there be a major issue if she had a Spitfire Salvo revolver? I can see pluses for each, but also plenty of negatives. I don't think it would break anything. What do you guys think about that? Maybe they just haven't accommodated. Maybe they just forgot. 
Well, I guess it's just maybe, built into the maybe, move. Like, or, yeah, I was about to say, maybe it's just built in the ability. Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, yeah, if you can't do work but, with a warrant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I also get what he's saying, though. Like, I see. pistol, like, why are you not I also do don't that? want that bitch holding a revolver in that shield Which at the same time. could yeah. also explain that. <laughs> Like that could also explain it because in their own way they're not trying to say that the revolver is a metal weapon or nothing, but they know it's too powerful if Seagrid's carrying it with her shield out. Yeah. I didn't even know she, that was a thing. I never yeah. thought I don't I really I fuck with pistols a lot, so Well, every time I run Seagrid, she's got the warrant and I don't really like running any other pistol but the warrant. Yeah. So I don't change it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense why I never noticed. Yeah. And it, just so everybody is aware, it is intentional that she does have the warrant whenever she uses her shield. FYI for everybody. Um, it okay. Yes. Now, here's what I think, you know, and this could be an interesting way for them to kind of balance out her ability because her ability is kind of multifaceted and there's a lot of pros that go with using her ability. Even though when I play with her, I don't use that ability that often. I just don't like there's a couple of rogues in the game where I enjoy playing them. I just don't feel like that their abilities offer that much more of a benefit. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm in the minority there. It is what it is. Sigurd's one of them. But, you know, Sigurd can block all incoming, you know, all incoming damage from her front. She moves slower when she crouches. You can't shoot her feet. She can shoot around it and she can also shield bash. Um, yeah. There's no penalty whenever you're shooting around the shield, whenever you have a pistol. Like, you're still just as accurate with the pistol and the shield out as you are if you don't have the shield out. And I think that it wouldn't be a bad idea if they went in and made a couple of fundamental changes to that and then also open it up for the pistols. Because think about it. If she's using the shield with the revolver one-handed, the revolver's going to kick yeah. way more than it would if you're using it two-handed, right? I see where you're going. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Shields heavy, yeah. Yeah, like, the handling needs to be a little different. Yeah. Like. Yes, and there needs to be to. there needs to be drawbacks to using pistols while you're using your shield. It shouldn't be an automatic laser beam like it currently is whenever you have the shield out. And each weapon should have a different positive and also a different negative. The revolver should still be accurate and hit hard like it does, but it should have a significantly more recoil that's associated with it by shooting it one handed. The Spitfire is an automatic pistol. You have to know that the recoil on that thing is going to be all over the place if you're using it one-handed. You see what I mean? So, Yeah. So there should be positives and, and negatives to being able to use different pistols with it. And I think that we're getting to a point now to where there's some rogues, much like Fixer, that deserve to be reworked a little bit, especially since the person that created these rogues are no longer with high-res and first-watch games. And the majority of them stem from one individual that was very proud of a lot of the rogues that he put into the game. And I think that it wouldn't hurt to revisit some of those and make them a little bit more viable and make a little bit more sense while you're using those rogues. That's all I'm going to say. Some of the f best rogues and most fun rogues to play, in my opinion, as far as like personality, weapon set, and gadget set, but their abilities are just very, very lacking in a huge way. And I can name three of them right off the top of my head. Mac, Cannon, and Sigurd. All designed by the same person. <laughs> yeah. That is no longer with the company. 
So next up, we have a post here by uh, Reflect. Too many games are being ruined by quitters. The quitting games needs to be addressed by high res. Backfill has never worked in games of 6v6 or less. It works better in uh, larger games, for example, 16 versus 16 plus. I've played four games tonight and every single one of them have had someone quit. The penalty for quitting either needs to come back with increased harshness or get rid of backfill and force the quitters to rejoin the same game, like it was early on in this game's development. Forcing rejoin would allow those who de-seed or crash time to get back into their game. I'm sure that they'd like that option uh, that was taken away from us. Either way, something needs to be changed. Four games in a row with a teammate leaving early in the first round is not sustainable. I'm pretty certain I'm not the only one experiencing this, and if it continues, will lead to more people leaving the player base. That's how we spent our Friday night, remember? Yeah, I know, right? Just every other game, almost every game, they yeah. just start leaving. Once they started losing, it was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that happened multiple back-to-back games. Yeah. Well, whenever they announced the backfill system and that they were, you know, creating a new way to address the levers in AFK, things like that, and they announced this, I knew right then and there that this wasn't a fix for anything. This was just going to make the situation that much worse. And that's why I've been so vocal against the backfill system because it hasn't realistically done anything positive for the game. It either doesn't work when it does work, you get astronomical hitching and lag spikes uh, whenever those people join yeah. and select a rogue. Um, a lot of the times, if someone backfills, they're going to say, screw this, I don't want to backfill, and they're going to leave. So then you have to go through the whole process over again. That's if they decide to backfill the game, which the metric in order to backfill games seems to be non-existent at this point because sometimes you won't have anybody backfill and a person left in the first round or somebody will leave on the last round and before the round's over, they're already backfilling and the team that's ahead is already winning the game. So it doesn't have any rhyme or reason to it whatsoever. It feels like it just does whatever it wants to do whenever it wants to do it. And I've solo queued quite frequently, you know, over the past month, two months, something like that. And the entire time backfill's been in the game, I've backfilled into a game, I would say, maybe five times at the most. I would never, never backfilled into a game. Yeah. Never happened. So I don't know if it's working for some people and not others. I don't know if it's prioritizing you know, these players over these players. I don't know if it's looking at skill, if it's looking at some MMR. I don't know what it's looking at and where it's pulling the data to actually make the backfill happen. But whatever it is, it's just not working. It's not. Um, and I fully agree with Reflect here that they really need to just allow us to rejoin the matches in progress. Yeah. And then if someone leaves the game, then give them the deserter penalty and force them in game time to wait until that penalty's out before they queue into a game. Because either A, that person leaves the game, they get the deserter penalty, they say screw the game and they move on and play something else. They may not come back to Rogue, they may come back to Rogue, you don't know. Or you hurt, what is it, seven other people in the process? Yeah. What and the it fuck? used to work. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you crash, and it's like, hang on, I'm loading back in. Put you right back in there. Whoop. 
Sometimes before the round ended, you could load back into it. If you were playing Demolition and you were able to relaunch fast enough, you would get back in before the next round started. But now they just that just went away. That was like, yeah, uh-uh. yeah. It's completely gone. Your Wi-Fi dropped. Your fault. Yeah. And and I think that also another thing that needs to happen is whenever the person leaves the game and they try to requeue, it should put them right back in the game. If they sit yeah. there and wait until that game finishes, then it should give them the screen if their team won, won that they yeah. lost out on X amount of XP and X amount of reputation, all this kind of stuff, because they left the game, and then it awards them the deserter penalty. Why not? Yeah. Force them to wait until that match is done before you would give them the deserter penalty. Make them think about the decision that they just made to screw seven other people that are trying to have a good time and trying to have an enjoyable experience in a in a video game. Look, man, I'm not opposed to cutting fingers off at this point with the amount of people that are fucking leaving games. <laughs> like Jesus Christ, dude. Every time that we play. And like in 6v6, it's nowhere near as noticeable. You know, by the end of a 6v6 game, you could have 24 people that joined and left the game and not even know, not even realize. Yeah. Yeah. But in demolition, (laughs) you know, in dodgeball, in in games, in smaller games, when it's 4v4, you absolutely notice when this happens and it hurts. If you're on a full stack team and then two people, one person from the enemy team leaves, that sucks for not only the enemy team, but also your team because you feel cheated. You feel like moves fast. Yeah. This was a really good, compelling match until this person left. And then now we have the advantage of numbers. Like we win by default, you know, like, so that's, and I'm not saying it happens every time because there are some really good players out there, but I'm just saying based off of numbers and statistics, four people is going to beat three people 90% of the time, you know? Next up, we have a post by TSM Irrelevant. And I'm, I know that we've talked about TSM Irrelevant before uh, from the Reddit. And I think that I've talked to TSM Irrelevant in like behind the scenes a couple of times. I think. I'm not 100% sure. But they posted a, uh, a post here that says, A few things I hope they do this year. Last year was awful. Content was the bare minimum. Balance changes felt non-existent. And over half of the posts I saw were about bugs. I wouldn't be surprised if this were the last year for Rogue. So if it is, I'd like to see them do these things in 2023. Consistent, number one, consistent content. New maps, events, more detailed cosmetics. And something I'd like them to add is shop-exclusive mythic wraps that you can purchase directly with Rogue books. Also, three to four unique Rogues each that are... Uh, each in different classes. Number two, notable balance changes. I feel like nothing has changed in terms of meta, and I still see Lancer RB players every other game. Hope they nerf what's been annoying a lot of players. Uh, Number three, optional crossplay or slight quality of life change. The player base is on the lower side, but I still think that you shouldn't be forced to play against PC players as a console player. You should be able to disable it, but I think crossplay between different consoles should still be allowed, of course. Number four, noticeable bug fixes. Not really much else to say here. Number five, communication with your players. I've seen the mod of this sub do a Q&A recently, so it's a step in the right direction. Hopefully, we see more of it. So I would agree with... 
about 50% of these things here. Uh, I think consistent content would be a nice change, even if it's not like a flood of maps of uh, rogues, things like that. But I don't think that it would be a bad idea to add mythic wraps in the store to be purchased directly with rogue bucks. I mean, we've already seen that happen with, with a couple of um, like the walking dead bundles. They came with mythic weapon wraps um, that doll face Dahlia bundle that was bugged. It came with a mythic weapon wrap, even though they were melee wraps, they were still mythic weapon wraps, right? So I don't think it would hurt anything to put mythic weapon wraps in the shop. I mean, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be a guaranteed seller, right? And this was something that I was talking uh, to Corey, talking with Corey about before everybody got on. I was looking at like the um, gliders and things. There are no legendary gliders in the store or in your in your um, inventory or anything. Epic is the highest glider or uh, jetpack or hoverboard that you have access to. I would like to see some legendary ones. I would like to see some mythic ones. I would like to see some mythic ones that allowed you to, I don't know, do in-air emotes while you're flying in or something. Yeah. Uh, That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it would be anvil too hard. dropping in on an anvil shield with wings. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> some like, extra. Yeah. You know, and, some light, though. Yeah. So Yeah. Uh, and e- if they... <laughs> If they extended the um, the levels for the rogues, then they could put rogue specific gliders or jetpacks or hoverboards in the in there, and they could also put like emotes in there. Because I've seen like, doesn't Apex have that where when you're flying in, you can do like some kind of a in air emote type thing or something? Uh, I mean, different ones. Exactly. I mean, and most of them are all based off of some of their abilities that they have, right? Because I know the the jetpack chick that she goes up and does the salute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's really cool that 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 game has. And I know that you're you're flying in for much longer. You know, in Apex, you're gliding in way, you know, way longer than you are in Rogue. But still, though, I think it would be cool if just for a little flare, just for a little whatever you want to call it, you could do something like that. Why not? You know. Uh, For noticeable balance changes, I feel like 2023 is going to be the year of adjustment. I'm going to say it right now. Yeah, exactly. I feel like 2023 is going to be the year of reevaluating some of the weapons, perks, game modes, maps, things like that in the game. I think that things have been so stale and stagnated for so long, and there's been uh, many people that have been involved in the development of Rogue Company. And this is something that I've always said for the last couple of episodes that we've done. Rogue Company lacks a direction. It it lacks a true definition of what the game is, whether it's going to be a tactical shooter or an arcade run-and-gun type shooter. I think that that idea is going to be more firmly established this year, and I think that this is going to be, this is going to be the year. Yeah. I'll tell you what it's not going to be, and that's a BR. Yeah, exactly. Right. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Premier. Love, love. Enough of those. Yeah. I'll be, I would be so happy if they just took that out of quick play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Give it its own playlist for the people who like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the is there anybody that like it? it? I mean, 
Everybody that plays it hates it. We're taking up server room here, folks. Mm-hmm. We can save it right there. We just took that game out. Now, there might be something with that perk system. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah, because, I mean, I was looking, because, you know, I had a couple of videos that came out last week about, like, a lot of the perks that do a lot of the same things. And um, whenever you look at the perk set that you have access to in Battlezone, all of those, except for maybe Helping Hands and Lifeline, all of the other perks are not there. Like, you have Replenish, and Replenish doesn't have any upgrades, and it's probably the most expensive perk by itself. But you don't have a lot of the repeats in there that do the same exact thing. And I might be looking at it wrong, but like the perks really need to be looked at, and I have a feeling that they will be looked at. Uh, the the balance of the game and what the meta is, things like that, I think that that's going to be addressed at some point because it is something that needs to be addressed. They, you know, they tried to address the meta whenever they did that initial LMPX nerf that wasn't really a nerf. Like it still does work. It's still, it yeah. is, it is a little different than it used to be, but it's been so long since that change has happened that it's still a viable, it. yeah, it's still a viable weapon at this point. So I think 2023 for Rogue is going to be the, the year of adjustments. I'm excited for, I'm here for it. That's what it needs, you know? Mm-hmm. Crazy idea when it comes to battle zone. Like if it, if high res is just set on keeping battle in a thing, they've shown that they'll take intellectual properties, make other games. Want to make a battle royal type game? It would be great if you take the Rogue Company characters, develop a game, larger maps, a little bit different play style, and just develop story within both games. Yeah, I, I bet mean, you you can get people that like both to play both. Yeah. Easy easy. Yeah, I mean Realm Royale was an offspring Legends. of Paladins. Yeah. You whenever they released Realm Royale, it was called Paladins Battlegrounds. And you couldn't play it unless you used the Paladins launcher to launch into that game. So that in and of itself, they pull all the assets and all the weapons and stuff from Paladins to put into Realm Royale. I guarantee you, if you made a rogue company battle royale, it would average more than six hundred people at one. You know, as a peak concurrent players, I guarantee that. You know, yeah, without a doubt. So, next up, this is a post by Carl Manjaro. What's your biggest rogue co trigger? I know there are a lot, but what's the thing that gets you heated the fastest when playing Roco? For me, it's probably getting danced on when I'm hard carrying. You know, something like I have 30 downs, my next highest teammate has four, we're losing, and some jagweed with 11 downs on the other team is teabagging and emoting on me. Instant rage. Ironically, it often ends up being the extra gas I need to clutch up. Yeah. What about you? We've been there. I'm already, like, I felt it. So I was like, yep. Yeah. I'll tell you what triggers me, dude. If I'm going to be stuck with these fucking symbols on my screen, let me goddamn resize them or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because they're just there and they're big, dude. They're huge. huge. Yeah. They're like, they take up 10% of your screen. Let me turn that off if I want to. Individually. You know, like, something. Yeah. 
Jeez. Burned Jeez. into my monitor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you turn off your monitor and it still yeah. has the glowing emblem on. <laughs> Red clock. Yeah. yeah. Like what? It's burnt on your screen. Yeah, I would say that. I agree with Carl Manjaro here. That's one of my biggest triggers is like when we're playing and like someone gets the best of you, you know? Yeah. Oh, I've heard you say it so many times. Oh, you're going to dance on me? Bet. The one time. You're like, you got 10 damage. Yeah. Yeah, right. I or mean, you're playing Lancer. Yeah. That that's the biggest insult. The biggest insult is not only when that happens, but they down me with Lancer using the arbitrator. Then they proceed to teabag and dance on me. It's the it's the default emote for me. Yeah, yeah, the de- yeah the default. Yeah, like you can tell they got skins. Yeah, when they do that default dance on you, it's like oh yeah. That makes me want to drive to somebody's house. You know? Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I mean, holy shit, that triggers the shit out of me. I don't like, lie. Look, if you're better than me, that's fine. If if we're on the same skill level and you get the best of me, that's fine. But here's the thing, man. I'm not gonna go out of my way to teabag someone or to dance on someone or anything like that. Now, if the match ends and I'm way away from everybody, I may dance. That doesn't signify me dancing on somebody. I'm just dancing because the match ended or the round ended. Yeah. But if you're going to teabag me. Oh, yeah. I'm and like, not only does the default dance get me every time, but there's another dance. No, it's not even the laugh or anything like that. It's the one, and this was an early on emote where they do the dip. It's the the Russian dance where they're crouched and they kick their legs out. Um, Yeah, dude. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That one right there because it's. They take a picture with you. uh, Fuck you. Hey, Um, if you ever see me teabagging somebody, they started it. Yeah, for sure. That's all I'm saying. So last up, we have another post here by 3JAD21, list of known issues in Rogue Company. Wanted to make a list of the known issues I can think of off the top of my head that are still been, that are still in or been introduced recently to Rogue Company, so here goes. The toughness bug where characters take random amounts of damage as if their toughness level is fluctuating with each shot, most notable, noticeable when using a high damage per bullet gun like the Hydra where I deal 30 damage one bullet, then 29 damage the next despite getting closer to the target who is a 2 or 3 toughness. This is especially infuriating on all one toughness characters with the Sahara as they should be 4 shots to the body but end up needing an extra bullet because one of them did one less damage leaving them on exactly one health. The revive bug when multiple people attempting to revive the down teammate at once causes the down teammate to start bleeding out during the revive. Only another person coming in to help revive can stop the bleeding. So you're if two people's healing one person, they need to bring a third person in to stop the bleeding out effect. <laughs> That's so it's kind of funny. Upgrading Runway's pistol after equipping it prevents you from swapping back to having two primaries for the entire game. Floating trip mines outlines that appear in the air when you play as a character with trip mines. Trench barbed wire can still destroy itself when thrown. Character poses during the MVP screen start off using the lobby animations, then either stay that way for the duration of the screen or revert to the MVP poses halfway through. <clears throat> 
Max still has very inconsistent placing for his flash bomb. Sometimes he'll try to place it, but cancel it and just crouch. Sometimes he'll get stuck in a loop um, of the first few milliseconds of his placement animation. Sometimes he'll place the bomb, but it'll disappear after being placed. And you have to wait until it goes off of goes off manually as you can't press the button again. Some daily contracts inconsistently track don't track at all. Daily contracts still commonly re-roll into the exact same contracts. As a match goes on, the shop and money total drop-down can stay hovering at the top of the screen for the rest of the match. Game chat seems to cut off randomly on PS4, PS5. Characters don't appear in the middle of your character select screen when you pick them on PS4, PS5, and Switch. Jukes drones targeting their lasers at friendly teammates. And there's a video on Reddit, if you haven't seen it, where it actually does down your teammates. What? Yeah, it's real. Yeah. Uh, and now for the less noticeable but still annoying ones, several cosmetic appearance bugs that have appeared over the course of the game's existence. The Sahara fire rate still incorrectly shows at 7.25 for the uncommon rare and epic rarities, but only shows a 7.04 for its legendary upgrade, um, which is its actual fire rate. Chalk's bio still has an extra unnecessary space in a sentence. Dallas's future tech skin preview icon is the stunt that is the stunt double skin preview icon. The rogue rank achievement for year two season four seems to be awarded to some people who didn't reach rogue rank in that season with the achievement date being uh, the 1st of January, 1601 bugs that I haven't personally come across lately, but still uh, be, but may still be in the game. Trying to fire your gun after sprinting sometimes doesn't let you shoot glitches, hack, not hacking anything despite activating the hack. The moment targets appear in the UI the fact I could come up with this list off the top of my head is pretty telling of both how much I play this game and just how many bugs or problems there are. Really trying to stay positive, hoping that even just some of these bugs will get addressed sooner rather than later. I mean, that's a pretty... Way too many legacy bugs, dude. Yeah, for real, right? Way too many. As old as the game. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, like I said... You know, 2023 hopefully is going to be the year of, 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 of rebalance, of looking at, you know, a lot of the um, perks, weapons, things like that. I really hope that they also take this opportunity to look at a lot of the bugs and problems with the bugs. Now, I will say that, like, at this point, the bugs that still exist are on they've been there for so long that it's just whatever right whenever you roll or whenever you do something and your weapon doesn't fire it Uh. it's happened so much now that you're like oh i got the weapon not firing bug you know or whenever you know you throw a grenade and it falls between a a seam in the wall and just disappears into into the void at the end of garbo's trident and doesn't go or the off. Steps. Yeah, yeah, or the steps, yeah. Um, or whenever you jump and you auto mantle on fucking everything drives me fucking insane, dude. That might be the thing that triggers me the most. I'm going back to that. My thing is, is if I jump and I jump near cover, or if I jump into cover, yeah, 
That means I'm I want I want to jump behind the cover. I don't want to end up on <laughs> top, on top of, of the it? fucking cover. No, dude. There's no <laughs> situation. <laughs> I, my blood pressure's going up thinking about it. Like, no. I've heard it. Here's, yeah, we've heard you yell about it oh, so yeah. many times. The same with what Homeboy was saying with fucking teabagging and stuff. You're like, oh, you've got six kills, you son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. That's your name. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully the a lot of these bugs do get looked at. Look, for 2023, I'm coming into it cautiously optimistic. Because we all know the reality of the situation, right? By the end of 2023, one of two things is going to happen. Either A, the game's going to be in a better state than it's ever been. You're going to have people in there that really care about the direction of the game and that are making strides to give us a better, more improved experience. Or the game is going to crash and burn and fail miserably, and this is going to be it. Yeah, like, the death rattle. This going yeah. to be the year. This, uh, 2023 is the, the, is the year of deciding what the fuck is going to be. Yeah. We'll see what happens with it because, and that's why I'm being cautiously optimistic. Like the worst of the worst can happen at the end of the year and the game may still be around. The servers may still be active, but I feel like that this is the final straw. We've had a good launch with a huge player, huge with a huge player base influx. And then two, two years back to back, one year started out strong until they released Mac and changed the TTK and fucked everything up. Mm. And then the next year came out and it started out strong until the game left closed beta and then it fell off completely. It seems like it's a trend where we get the first half of the year seems to be going very, very well. And then it just goes to hell in a handbasket the second half of the year and everybody's questioning what's going on with the game. Do the developers even care about the game? Why has there been no communication? Anything like that. Radio silence. Yeah. This this is the final straw. This is the make it or break it year right here. And cautiously optimistic about everything. I would be okay if we go four years without collabs. If that gets yeah. us if that gets us better in house cosmetics at a cheaper price, I'm fine with that. If that gets us better servers, then I'm fine with that. That gets us a rebuilt matchmaking system. I'm fine with that. I don't need a Ninja Turtles crossover to make me spend unnecessary money on a game when it barely functions. But I will buy some Ninja Turtles shit. I um, mean, I'm not saying that I won't, yeah. you know, but still. Dude, I went to their Twitter today just to see yeah. if they've said anything, you know. Yeah. No. Nothing, but... It would have been cool if they had put a statement out that was like, look, we're not going to do a showcase this year. We're focusing on the game. Yeah. Like, yep. Come on. There needs to be, there needs to be some type of communication for sure. So I'm, I'm being cautiously optimistic and that's where I stand. I mean, either broadcast is going to end at a certain point and we'll start a whole new podcast talking about something else or it'll continue on. But at the end of the day, it is what it is, and I'm not sweating it too much. I'm here for the journey. This will be the first game that I've ever been on the ground floor whenever it drops up until possibly it going through death's door. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
But this has been episode number 42 of the unofficial, official, unofficial Rogue Company podcast. If you want to contribute in any way, you can hit us up on Twitter at Brocast. You can shoot us an email, broadcast at gmail.com, or you can join the Discord. The server will be in the link. The, the server will be in the description down below. There is a section called Broadcast Contributions, so please feel free to drop that stuff in there. But for this episode, I'm here with Co Reed. Lord. I'm here with Garbo. And I'm here with Griffin. And thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for watching. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>